Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 17. Ty, did you change that? It was on like 71. I did not change it, no. magically went to 69. Mr. Lincoln can control it from his phone. So, yep. Jeremiah chapter 17. We are going to Jeremiah 17. All right? Really quick, I just want, while we're turning to Jeremiah 17, I want everybody to just think about yourself for a second. How would you describe yourself to people? Yeah, Josiah. Funny? Okay. Who else? Yeah, Paisley. Annoying? What? No. Who else? Yeah, Jackson. Strong? Okay. What else would you use? How would you describe yourself to people? You got another one? Oh. Yes. Smart. Smart. Okay. Yeah. Good at football. Good at football. Josiah. Athletic. Okay. You're as athletic too. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Tired. Yeah. What? Daring. Okay. Yeah. Smart. Okay. Yeah. Weird. I think I'm weird too. I feel you. Yeah. Handsome. Nice. Jasper. A nerd. Okay. Yeah. Respectful, okay. Yeah, Jackson. Good looking, I love it. Yeah. The what? The weird kid that has a dead cricket in their locker. The weird, the weird kid that has a dead cricket in their locker. That's actually kind of funny. I love that. Two more, two more. Yeah. The potty word police. Okay. One more. Yeah, Jackson. What? Uh, it's okay. No worries. One more. All right. Athletic. Okay. Hey, listen for a second. Listen. Those are great words. This did not accomplish exactly what I wanted it to do, but it's okay. We're going to do a thought experiment together. Is everybody at Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 17? Okay. Um, if you're not to Jeremiah chapter 17 yet, go ahead and get there. If you are in Jeremiah chapter 17, can I get two claps and a red flare? I want you to think about yourself for a second, okay? How many of you guys would describe yourself with words that can be associated with feelings. Here's what I mean. Maybe anxious, happy, depressed, stressed out, right? Like like feelings can define who you are, right? Can anybody think of a time in your life where your feelings definitely defined who you were in that moment? Like, oh yeah, I was an anxious person there. Or I was a mad person there, right? I don't want a single word in the room. I just want to see if we all have experienced this. Not one word, okay? Not one word, but just listen. Oh, you don't even know what you're raising your hand for yet. Chill. Four of y'all. Four of y'all just raised your hands. Anyways. No words. Mouth shut. How many of you guys know somebody who is angry? Like they're angry. Just angry. Right now? I said no words, just angry, right? Yeah, okay. Do you guys know, do you guys see how this works, that like our feelings somehow can, can like define who we are to a degree? Yeah? I'm going to pick a fight with that idea tonight. Yeah, I'm going to pick a fight with it. That, that our feelings may determine who we are sometimes, but I don't think they should. And I don't think the Bible thinks they should either, okay? And that's where we're going tonight. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. Jeremiah was a prophet who lived at the end of the kingdom of Judah. There we go. And uh, he was, his job was to tell the people of Judah what God thought about what they did. 
And Jeremiah does not have good things and nice things to say to the people of Judah because they were not good and nice people and God didn't like how evil they had been. And so Jeremiah was speaking to them. And in Jeremiah chapter 17, he's like kind of talking to them about how they've been following their heart. They've been doing what they want because they've just been doing whatever they want. People have gotten hurt in the process. Anybody ever experienced that where somebody didn't care about others? They just did whatever they wanted and it hurt people, right? You experienced something like that? Maybe you were the person that did that. Or maybe somebody did it to you. I saw some looks like, you got me, I'm exposed. No, we've all done it. That's why you feel exposed. But Jeremiah is talking to him about that. And that's when he gets to this verse in chapter 17, verse 9. Here's what he says. Let's read it. Oh, that's Zechariah. I'm just going to read it off the screen. I don't have time to turn here. Here's what it says. The human heart is the most what? Deceitful of how many things? All things. And it is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is. Will y'all pray with me really quick? We'll talk about this together. Here we go. Father, we are excited to hear from your word tonight. I pray that you speak to us in it, and I pray that you help us see how much you love us through it. Help us to find um, a way to navigate our feelings and not just follow them, uh, and speak to us tonight from your word. Um, guys, if you would, you guys take just a second, pray to God, ask him to speak to you tonight, and ask him to teach you something. And if you would pray for me too, ask God to, to use me um, and to, to be helpful for you. All right, Jesus, we love you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, I don't even have my sermon notes pulled up. I just realized. Give me two seconds. <laughs> nice try. Icon, week one. Here's our big idea. Here's where we're going. If you've got your handout, this is in your red box at the top of your handout. This is what you're going to write. I told you, keep it with you. literally keeps us on the same page together tonight. Here's what we're doing. It is easy for us to think that we are our feelings sometimes, but we are not. We are not at all. The big idea tonight is this. You are not your feelings. You are more. You are not your feelings. You are more. I know we have a slide for that one somewhere, I think. You are not your feelings. There it is. You are more. The word that goes in the red box is more. And here's what I mean with it by this. Okay, look what he says. In verse 9, he says, what is deceitful above all things? The heart. The human heart. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible was not originally written in English. Did you know that? It might be news to you tonight. If it is, congratulations. You are going to get to hear some Hebrew words tonight. We love Hebrew, right? What's my favorite Hebrew word? Y'all know it. Ruach. That's right. I love Ruach. It means the spirit of God, but also breath and wind. We're not talking about that word tonight. Tonight, we're talking about the Hebrew word for heart. Because if we want to know what Jeremiah means by heart, we need to get back to where he, what he was saying when he wrote it, right? And he wrote in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word for heart is levav. Y'all say levav. Yeah. Or, more commonly, a shortened version of that is lev. Y'all say lev. 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 That's right. Your levav is the part of who you are where a couple things happen. It's the source of your physical life. The people in the ancient Hebrew culture, they knew that you had a heart in your body that kept you alive. But they knew that there was something more than that because they didn't have a concept for the brain. They didn't understand what a brain was and how it functioned. So in their minds, literally in their minds, their actual brains that they didn't really understand, they thought that your heart was also where all your feelings came out of, which we also kind of agree with, right? Um, but they also thought that was the place where you do all your thoughts and all of your thinking, and it's where you make all your choices. There are lots of places in the Old Testament where the Bible says that you use your heart to make decisions, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of your brain and your feelings and your emotions and all those kinds of things, but also the physical heart that keeps you alive, right? That's kind of how they saw it. What was that Hebrew word again? Nope, not that one. 
Lev. We're talking about Lev. That's right. So think about this. When Jeremiah says, the place where your physical life comes from, but even more so, the place where your feelings come from and all of your thoughts and, and your decision-making place is deceitful, that's interesting, isn't it? What does deceitful mean? Do we know what deceitful means? Deceitful means it tells you that something is the truth, but it does so in a way that is not true in order to hurt you, right? There's lies, and sometimes people lie to, tell, to help people, right? Like, if, if grandpa knows that he likes his certain kind of cookies, and he's going to be upset if his cookies are gone, and you know your sister ate the last cookie, then you might, like, uh, or, or wants to eat the last cookie, then you might tell your sister, I'm sorry, there's no cookies left in the cookie jar because you're sparing her from getting making grandpa angry, right? doesn't mean you should do it. But sometimes we lie to, do, to make good things happen, right? Deceit is when you lie to make bad things happen. That would be like if... if uh, there were a cookie jar full of cookies, and you told your grandpa that your sister ate the last cookie before he checked. That would be deceitful, right? And so the Bible is telling us that this place where our feelings and our emotions and all these things come from is deceitful. And we just established a minute ago that we like to try to use our feelings to determine who we are, right? Every week in this series, when we talk about an icon, we're going to talk about something that people think is their identity, but it is not actually your identity, and tonight we are saying you are not your feelings. Next week we're going to say you are not your actions. And the week after that we're going to say you are not your opinions. I'm really excited for that one because we're going to talk about Democrats and Republicans and everything yes. in between. Yes. You, that reaction right there is why I'm excited for it because you have no idea how hard you're going to get sucker punched by the truth of the gospel and the Bible. But anyways, it's okay. Um, here's what we're talking about tonight though. Your heart... This thing that we say we should follow, right? Have you ever heard the phrase, follow your heart? Yeah? Okay. Anybody ever heard this, the phrase, be true to yourself? Right? It really just means do whatever you want, right? Can we honestly just be honest? Be true to yourself just means do whatever you want, right? That's how it's used all the time. Do you guys know where that phrase, be true to yourself, originally came from? It came from a Shakespeare play. It did not come from the Bible. It came from a Shakespeare play. I think it was in Hamlet. What is Shakespeare? And what is Shakespeare? Are you seriously asking that question anymore? I'm not even kidding. Like, are you being serious? You don't know who Shakespeare was? William Shakespeare wrote a bunch of plays in like the Victorian age of England, and he is very famous. You will have to read Shakespeare before you graduate Peaster High School. It will happen. He wrote Romeo and Juliet. He wrote Hamlet. He wrote Othello. Have you seen The Lion King? You've never seen the movie The Lion King? The Lion King is an adaptation of a Shakespeare play called Hamlet. And that's the story that the phrase, be true to yourself, came from. The fool in the play, the character who plays the fool, said, to thine own self be true. We are literally quoting a fool from a play when we tell people to be true to themselves. We really just mean do whatever you want. And so we're finding our identity in our feelings, right? I'm an anxious person. I'm a depressed person. I'm a sad person. I'm a happy person. I am a confused person, right? But let's take this a little deeper, okay? Let's take this a little deeper and a little more serious. There are some people who say, well, I feel attracted to people that are the same gender as me. So that's what I am. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Pause. Can I get two claps and a Ric Flair? We are going to do the next 60 seconds of this sermon, and nobody in the, in the chairs are going to say a word. Not one person. We're just going to listen. It is very common right now, very common, for people to have feelings like that. And not understand what to do with them. 
You may have heard the phrase before that you can't be born same-sex attracted. And I'm here to tell you, if you're same-sex attracted, it is a sin nature, just like people who are attracted to other genders, and, or the other gender, and, and people who have a struggle with alcohol, or people who have a struggle with lying. It is just as natural, but it is not God-given. Do you see how that difference works? Just because it's natural in us doesn't mean God gave it to us. So we can say that someone has a natural bend toward those kinds of feelings, but God did not make them that way. God may have created that person, but because humans over time have decided to do whatever we wanted, and that's what the Bible calls sin, it also says that those sins affected everything in the world. And I think that includes the cells that make up our bodies and our lives, right? In fact, humans, human DNA, you guys know what DNA is? Yes. thing that programs who we are. There's, there's a map you can go look at online of what human DNA looks like. And in that map, there is one part of it that is severely broken and wrong. And DNA people, scientists, don't know why it's broken. And they don't know how to fix it. And I genuinely believe that, that my opinion is that that's what sin did to us. Everything is broken. Everything breaks down. Nothing lasts forever. And that's because of sin. And so, just like I can have a natural bend toward lying all the time, or my dad, when he was in middle school and high school, could have a natural bend toward trying to go to parties and drink alcohol all the time, which he did. Or my sister could have a natural bend towards being attracted to other women. It's true. It doesn't mean, it does not mean that God made her that way. And this is why we're attacking this tonight. I told you we're going to pick a fight with it. It is not the only thing I want to talk about tonight, but it is so important. Your feelings do not determine who you are. Because think about this for a second. If who you like and who you're attracted to, whether it's someone of the same gender or someone who's not, if that's the basis, most fundamental part of who you are, that's not very much, right? There are so many more things to who we are than who we feel attracted to, right? But one of the easiest things to do when we're walking, when someone's walking through something like that is to think that that's all we are. If you're in this room and you're walking through same-sex attraction, I'm not going to act like there's not anybody in here because I'm sure there is. If that's you, I want you to know this. You are so much more than what you're feeling. You are so much more than, um, than the emotions that you have in your heart. And just because you feel those things doesn't mean God's mad at you. If you're in this room and that's not you, and that feels foreign to you, and it feels weird to you, and it feels scary to you that there might be somebody in this room who's like that, I just want you to know something right now. There are things about your life, too, that would scare other people, right? If they knew every deep, dark secret about your life and the family that you come from, there are people in this world who would run away, right? So think for a second about how that feels. And then imagine what it might be like to be a person who lives in a place like we do, who is dealing with some kinds of feelings they don't know what to do with. It's not different than any other kind of sin struggle anybody could have. And it's also not wrong to be tempted, right? Jesus himself was tempted. None of this was in my outline, but we're, I feel like we really need to talk about it. Because who we are deep down is not based on who we're attracted to or whatever. It is really common right now for people who don't fit the mold for what everybody thinks a guy or a girl should be to think that, well, maybe that means I'm not supposed to be a guy or not supposed to be a girl, right? Just by a show of hands, does anybody, do you guys know anybody in your life who has come out and said either that they're attracted to someone of the same gender or that they want to be another gender? Look how common it is. 
It's my sister, and it's my uncle, not John. John's my uncle, if you didn't know. It's not him, obviously. But, and then the next generation above him, his mom has two sisters, and both of them are the same way. My grandma was the only one of the three who came out married to him. And so here's my point. It's everywhere, right? We can't ignore it. We have to deal with it. And here's what the Bible says. The heart is deceitful above all things. Sometimes your heart will tell you that you need to go pursue relationships with people of the same gender. Sometimes your heart will tell you that you need to go change who, you're, who you are and what your body looks like, right? Really, at the end of the day, people who are trying to go through a transgender process is no different than anybody who thinks they're too fat or too skinny or too weak, right? Or they've got too many blemishes on their face or their hair's too long or it's too short or it's too whatever, Right? We look in the mirror and we say, what I see in the mirror is wrong, and I feel like it's not right. So that means I need to change it. Here's what I'm here to tell you, okay? If God made you a boy, it's a good thing. If God made you a girl, it is a good thing. And just because you may not look like or sound like or, or like the same things as all the boys or girls around you, whatever you are, does not mean that the solution is to change who you are. Do you see that? The only solution is to tell yourself the truth about who you really are. And here's the point. God is not trying to get us all attracted to people of the other, of the other gender um, and all that kind of stuff before he gets to our heart. His most important, most important um, priority, the number one thing he cares about is whether or not our hearts are devoted to him. Do you see that? So here's the deal. If there's somebody in your school, I need every eye right here right now. If there's somebody in your school who you have made fun of because they're walking through this, your next step tonight is to ask God to forgive you for that. I promise you he will. That when Jesus died on the cross, it paid for it. But he paid for it. But that's your first step. If that's you and you're walking through those feelings right now, God didn't give you those feelings. They come from us looking at the world the wrong way for too long. And God's goal is not to try to get you to go marry a man if you're a girl or, or, or a woman if you're a man. His, his ultimate goal is to get you to have a relationship with him. There's a lady named Jackie Hill Perry who used to be in a relationship with a woman. And she's a follower of Jesus now. She is married to a man and they have, well, I think, four kids now. Um, but she's a poet and she speaks and she's very, very good with words. And she says God's goal, his ultimate goal for all of us is holiness. He wants us to be holy. So we're going to walk through the next couple blanks on our paper and wrap it up here in a second. But I want to make sure we understand that our hearts are deceitful. If your heart is telling you I'm just an anxious person, that's who I am. No, you don't have to be an anxious person. If your heart is telling you, well, I'm just depressed. I am a depressed person. That's who I am. Does not have to be you. If, the, if your heart is telling you that, that I, I need to go have a, try to find a, a, a friend that is more than friends with somebody of the same gender, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to, to just follow those feelings everywhere. Our feelings are very real. We experience them. They're very real. This is the next blank, right? but they are not very reliable. How many of you guys know somebody who just followed their feelings and it ended in chaos? It was not good. They just did whatever felt right and then they hurt themselves. 
It happens all the time, every day. Our feelings are very real, but they are not very reliable. You know what icon, you guys don't know what the definition of an icon is? An icon is something that reflects the true nature of that which it represents. Here's what that means, okay? I painted this room, okay? And I really like the color blue. And I really like the vision of the, the, the theme that our, our ministry has. And so I picked blue as our colors because of that, which means there's an element of my personality in this wall, isn't there? So this wall reflects that part of my personality, right? In a way, you could say it's an icon for that part of who I am, right? The Bible says very clearly in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, that God created humanity in his image as his icon. He created us to reflect him to the world. Not to listen to our feelings and to be as, as satisfied as we possibly could be because we're happy all the time. Because that's what Americans think we need to do, right? Is be happy all the time. And if we're not happy, something's wrong. That's not what he created us for. He created us to have a relationship with him. And here's the cool part. The icing on the cake is when we have a relationship with Jesus, we do experience really deep, lasting happiness. It's called joy. And it's awesome. Anybody ever felt that before? You know what I'm talking about? It's real, right? Joy. It's different than happiness, and it's deeper, and it's more satisfying. I want to ask you guys for a second. What kind of icon would you say you are if you just follow your feelings everywhere? Think about the people that you know who just let their feelings control everything. Life is chaotic for them, right? They just do whatever they feel. Not only will others not know who you are, you won't even know who you are. If you just follow your feelings all the time, and you say, well, I'm an anxious person. Well, then when you're not anxious, it's going to be weird to you, and you're going to be like, I don't know what's going on here. If you don't see yourself as an anxious person, and then all of a sudden you experience anxiety, your feelings might throw off who you think you are, right? It's not good. Not only will others not know who you are, you won't even know who you are either. Following our hearts, this is blank number three, following our hearts only ever leads to chaos. If you don't believe me, read the book of Judges. But not right before bed. It'll freak you out. There's some crazy stories in there about people just following their heart and doing whatever seems right to them over and over and over again. Yeah. Number one was more... Oh, wait. Sorry, not third blank. Following our hearts leads to chaos. There's only one blank on number two, right? I meant number two. Number three is this. Following our hearts leads to a life of sadness pain and confusion. It's basically another way to say number two. Following our hearts just leads to sadness, pain, and confusion. Guys, I have thought that I was a failure because I made a mistake. Anybody ever felt that before? I must be a failure because I made a mistake and I feel bad about myself, right? That doesn't mean I am a failure, right? I just made a mistake. I've also seen people who believe wholeheartedly that God made a mistake when he made them. Guys, you guys ever seen somebody who's like that or heard of something like that where people genuinely believe that God, or maybe you felt it. Maybe you feel like God made a mistake when he made you. There's memes going around that are kind of popular right now that like that show God like with a mixing bowl and like ingredients and like pouring ingredients in as he's making people, right? And the, the joke is that God's not thinking while he's making and then he accidentally slipped something in that wasn't supposed to be there and that's your character flaw, right? That meme is so misleading because it's not God who makes those mistakes. It's sin in the world who that makes those mistakes in us. 
right? That's, that's basically what's happening here. I have even felt like he made a mistake with me. Like, I know people that have felt like God made a mistake with them, but I've even felt that he made a mistake with me before. I forget things so easily, and it's not God's fault that I forget things easily. But I've blamed him for it a bunch because I don't want to take responsibility for the sin that's in my life. Or, or I don't even want to believe that there could have been things that happened to me in my life that make it easier for me to choose sin. You guys know somebody who's been through pain, like been maybe even been abused, and it's really easy for them to go back to painful things and not difficult things for them? It doesn't mean that they, they are like any worse or more broken than anybody else. It just means that going through that pain makes it easier for us to make the wrong choices, right? Because we've experienced it already. Following our hearts only leads to a life of sadness, pain, and confusion. So what should we do? We need to tell ourselves the truth over and over and over again until we believe it. We need a new heart, right? If your heart's failing, what's going to save your life? (laughs) A defibrillator, maybe, but if you need a heart transplant, the only thing that will save you is a new heart, right? Look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. It says this. God's talking about what's going to happen once Jesus comes and the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts. And he says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Another version says a heart of flesh or actual living heart. We need a new heart. So how do we get this new heart? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. When we choose to trust Jesus in a relationship with him, it gives us a new heart. But there's a problem here. Not not a problem. A problem with the way we view it, I guess you could say. Um, We get that new heart and we just expect that God's going to change everything about the way our life works all of a sudden, right? It doesn't happen that way because that new heart that we get is like a baby. When Adam and Eve got put into the Garden of Eden... Um, that described them with that new life that they had the same way that other parts of the Bible describe ch- children. And they had to make their decisions the same way little kids do, right? You've got to train them and show them the right way to go. And your new heart is the same way. It's going to want to get pulled back to the wrong things. You won't ever lose it, right? But it will, it will want to go to the wrong things. And so you've got to train your new heart. Psalm 8611 is a prayer that David prays to God Asking God to help him train his heart. He says, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of what? Heart. heart so that I may what? Honor. Honor you. We train our hearts by God teaching us what? His ways and his what? What else? At the last part of that sentence. His truth. Your tr- the, God, the truth that God is and the truth that God has is the training ground, the roadmap that you use. To train your new heart. To not follow your feelings. But to follow God instead. John chapter 14 verse 6 says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So who is the truth? Jesus. John chapter 17 verse 17. Not long after this verse. says, "Make." Jesus is praying to God at this point. He says, make them, that's us, holy by your what? Truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Who knows what God's word is? The Bible, right? Kate, hold that Bible up for me real quick. Or Sam, yeah, you have one. See that right there? Who's got one? Hold it up. There's a pastor in a church down by Houston who has everybody in his church raise that up and say this every day, every Sunday. This is my Bible. I am who I say, I am who it says I am. I will do what it says I will do. 
and I forget the rest. But <laughs> here's the point. He, he trains his church to think, I am who God says I am. Every week. And God says this about you. He made you good. But there are things in your heart that need changing and growing. That came because of sin. Not because he put it there. So if your feelings are pulling you in a way that feels backwards from what God wants for you, I'm here to tell you this. God loves you and he cares so much for you. He does not want you to have to follow those feelings to destruction and pain. There's a statistic that says that people who go through transgender surgeries, they are more, they, they have more suicidal thoughts and are more likely to take their own life seven to ten years after their surgeries. Not before. Hi, sorry. So here's the point. Don't let your feelings lead you down a road of destruction and chaos. Don't let your feelings that you're just an anxious person make you think that you're only ever going to have anxiety for the rest of your life. It doesn't have to be that way. God has a good plan for you. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. Don't listen to it. Inform it. Teach it. It will tell you what you're feeling, but it, may, it will not tell you what you should do with those feelings. Not well. It'll try to tell you, but it'll mess it up. So if you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to come talk to me or Jasper or Sarita before we leave. Come ask us what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. If you're even confused about a relationship with Jesus, come talk to us. If these feelings are something that you've been struggling with, or if you're somebody who's just confused about all of it and all of your feelings, you don't know what's going on, come talk to us. We're ready to help you. We're not going to force anybody to do anything. We're just going to set you up for success in being who you were made to be. We're going to give you what you need um, and get you the people that can help you. Um, that is basically what you need to do. Teach yourself the truth. Come talk to one of us. I'm going to pray for us, um, and we're going we're gonna to close. Before we do, here's our last one. Um, here's our last blank. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That is who we are. That is what we do. Let me pray for us and we'll be done. Here we go. Father, we love you. We are so grateful that you made us good, but we know that there are things in our hearts that are not from you. And we pray that you help us to see those um, and not just follow them, but inform them and teach them the truth. Pray that you help us see that there's hope because of your son um, and that you give us courage. Um, to be the people you made us to be. We love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.